All right. So I have entitled what I'm going to share tonight as the folly and flippancy of false teachers, the faithfulness of the Father. And we will be looking at the text of 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. Let's begin with prayer, shall we? Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for such a great salvation that we have through Jesus Christ. And thank you, Lord, for the fellowship that we have in this joy of knowing that our future with you is secure and that by your word and by your faithfulness, we obtain everything needed for knowing your will and, and just what great uh, salvation we have and, and, for, and for walking this walk of faith while you have us here on this earth, Lord. So let tonight be no different than all the other times that you encourage us and uh, bring your word to our ears and and uh, by your spirit, Lord, and enlighten us to hear, to be taught of you and about you, to be convicted, corrected, trained in righteousness. In this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, before um, taking a look at the text, I thought I'd begin with a brief summary of what uh, immediately precedes uh, the chapter that we're going to be looking at tonight. And uh, specifically, I'd like to do a very quick review of the last chapter, Second Peter chapter 1, and just just some bullet points to summarize this passage that uh, we had previously looked at. Uh, Second Peter, uh, well, Peter in, in the first chapter of Second Peter starts with greetings and affirmation of the grace and the peace his readers have through Jesus. There is a reminder of the growing qualities of God's nature in us as a result of being united with Christ. And a reminder that what was prophesied in days past and what was witnessed by the apostles came from God. God's words and God's actions neither come from human craft or human interpretation. So, in other words, you have grace and peace with God through Jesus. You are growing. And the words that saved you and that are growing you are God's words and not man's words. And this is important to keep in mind when comparing what comes from God and what comes from what we're going to be talking about tonight, which is false teachers. So moving on to uh, chapter two, and I just wanted to bring us into focus on a big idea from this selection. So in these verses, verses 1 to 11 in 2 Peter chapter 2, God reveals himself to be fully sufficient to save us from error and false teaching if our faith and hope is in God alone through Christ. As such, we must be continuously rooted in the very words of God with which he reveals himself. If not, we are left vulnerable, we are left exploitable by false teachers whose words 
and lies demonstrate the opposite of what scripture teaches us about God and what God is doing to form us as his children. Now, when it's God's time, in God's time, condemnation and salvation both will be just, will be sure, and will be complete. So I want to look at a few other big ideas before we get right into the text of scripture. And it's always important to consider any selection of scripture in light of what Paul calls elsewhere the whole counsel of God, the whole of scripture. So let's consider this. The word of God teaches us that we are by nature condemnable and twisted by sin. And far from embracing or even celebrating our sinful nature as humanity is inclined to do, God condemns sin and declares righteous war on sin and treats sin for what it is, an intruder against what belongs to God. Now, hand, to, hand in hand with this condemnation of sinful humanity, there is good news. God is a loving and merciful God. And Jesus being condemned on the cross in our place makes it possible for us to be adopted by God. If we accept Jesus, God doesn't pay us the condemnation that we have earned. Instead, um, he gives us the sonship that Jesus has earned by his perfect life. And uh, there's a line from Psalm 103. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. And this is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And it is because of what Jesus did on the cross that we can inherit this gift, something that we have not earned, something that God has that Jesus has earned for us, that God gives to us. And God really, and in this relationship, God relates to us in love, where he transforms us to look at our own sinful nature the way that God sees it. A relationship where we, having the mind of Christ, join God in the battle against our own deeds of the flesh. So, again, just some context as we now turn to the uh, into the scripture. And actually, before uh, let me um, let me just summarize very briefly um, this context. In Christ's atonement, we have what we need to be reconciled to God. There are false teachers who are going to say what God doesn't say, but God is faithful to judge, and He is faithful to save. And we always need to be turning back to his word to be grounded in the truth. So let's do that right now together. Let's look at 2 Peter chapter 2, uh, verses 1 to 11, starting at verse 1. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and 
committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment. If he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness with seven others, when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly, if by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, he condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. And if he rescued righteous Lot, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked, for as that righteous man lived among them day after day, he was tormenting his righteous soul over their lawless deeds that he saw and heard. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment. And especially those who indulge in the lust of defiling passion and despise authority. Bold and willful, they do not tremble as they blaspheme the glorious ones, whereas angels, though greater in might and power, do not pronounce a blasphemous judgment against them before the Lord. Now, now that we've had a chance to look at the text of focus tonight, I'd like us to uh, to bring into some fo into focus some observation of this first part, starting uh, with verse one to the first part of verse three. Now you'll see that I highlighted some words with which Peter characterizes the false teacher. So he has heresies, denying, sensuality, uh, blasphemed, greed, false words, and these come in contrast, and again, just going back to the first chapter of uh, Second Peter for a moment, this comes in contrast with uh, verse 20 to 21 in our past chapter, and where Peter, where Peter writes, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And essentially, all of these highlighted words point to saying something about God and who he is. That, uh, that God, that so, so these words, the highlighted words, they, they, like the false teacher is saying things about God that God does not say about himself. Um, and that's, kind of what these all point to. And unlike the prophets, and, and this is what uh, Peter points out in the, in, in the first chapter, unlike the prophets who spoke the words that God gave, false teachers will speak words, albeit craftily, that God did not give. Nor do the words of false teachers reflect God's character or God's will. So that's kind of what these, uh, what these highlighted words point to all about false teachers saying things about God that God did not reveal about himself or words that mischaracterize God or malign God. Now, moving on to the next part of verse three, all the way to the first part of verse 10, we see, we now move into God's response, God's faithful response. And we see God's faithfulness and judgment as he has revealed it, both in condemnation, but also in salvation 
And you'll notice that in verse three, the ver uh, we have uh, we have Peter writing their condemnation, that is the condemnation of the ungodly from long ago is not idle. You know, God is faithful to condemn. God is also faithful to save. Verse nine, the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials. And you'll see that I've highlighted in red the text referring to condemnation. And we have words like destruction, cast into hell, chains of gloomy darkness, flood of the ungodly, ashes, extinction, punishment, really a, a wide description of the consequences that are faced by those who reject God as God has revealed himself. Now, I've highlighted in green the text referring to salvation, preserved, rescued. Note that there isn't just the saving aspect, but there's also the transformation aspect. The godly become distressed by sensual conduct. The godly become tormented in soul over their lawless deeds. So in salvation, we grow to see sin the way that God sees it. We learn to see sin as abominable as God sees it. Now, we see the pattern of the gospel in these verses. We see the pattern of good teaching, faithful to God's word. And God's teaching starts with the bad news. And humanity is, uh, everyone is by nature at war with God in their practice of sin. And as a result, we are met with God's condemnation, as it says in Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. That is, unless, unless we change sides in the war that God has on sin, by accepting the atoning sacrifice of Christ, there is a change of allegiance and joining of God's war on our own sin and transformation. And the second part of that verse that I started, the, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 6.23. Romans 6.4 reads, just as uh, we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Now, to underline the contrast between good teaching and false teaching, let's go back to these verses, back to the false teachers, heresies, denying the master, sensuality, blasphemy, greed, false words. And what do they show us? What do they show us about the false teacher? There is no repentance. There is, there is no turning by the false teacher to agree with God against our sinful nature. There is, uh, these words do not show a changing of sides in the war on sin. These words show not accepting the atoning work of Christ for our sin. And so therefore these words describe a teacher who does not speak for God and who really is not even a Christian. Now, take a look now at uh, a sample of verses from the book of Romans where Paul is teaching 
about the character of God and about what God, about what our need is, about what God's character is like and what it is that God wants to bring about in us. And, and we see a pretty, we, 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 see, we see a stark contrast with that of the false teacher. So in the sampling of verses, Romans 6.23, once again, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 7, 22, 25, for I delight in the law of God, in my inner being, but I see in my members another law, waging war against the law of my mind, and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death. Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 8, 1 to 2. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. And Romans 8, 13. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So in contrast to the false teacher who first uh, who Peter describes as being uh, being rife with sensuality, uh, you know, focused on the senses as opposed to recognizing that actually our nature, our, including its senses, are twisted by sin. All considered, we can say that true teachers like Paul teach that. We could never earn our salvation by works of the law. We accept Jesus's righteousness as a gift. It's not something we could ever earn. It's something that it is an alien righteousness that, that Jesus earned, that God gives to us. True teachers never teach uh, that we don't have to worry about sin. On the contrary, we do have to worry about sin. And God... We don't have to, now, we don't have to be ruled by worry, but we do have to be concerned and look and view sin the way that God views sin and be, and we need to be, we need to be giving our attention to how God wants us to participate in his war on sin through us. And so on the contrary, if our faith is real, we hate our sin no matter how prone we are to doing it. And God is leading us down a path, once again, of joining his war on our own sin. Now, I want to touch ever so briefly on the second part of uh, verse 10 to verse 11. And uh, once again, it reads, bold and willful they, and that's the false teachers, do not tremble as they blaspheme the glorious ones, whereas angels, though greater in might and power, do not pronounce a blasphemous judgment against them before the Lord. Now, this topic of the glorious ones is, uh, is touched on more in the verses that follow the selection that we are focusing on tonight. And this topic probably deserves greater mention studying the next part of chapter two. Nonetheless, uh, in, when we're talking about false teachers, 
these points should be highlighted uh, in regard to false teachers and, and their flippancy or not taking seriously the topic of the demonic and its power. Clearly, the, the topic of the devil and demons is no joking matter. And the devastating power that these, the devastating power that, that the devil and demons have on humanity is insurmountable outside of the work of the cross. Unlike many artistic representations, the devil is in fact, he is neither ugly, repulsive, or an object of ridicule. And even angels do not revile the devil, but they will rebuke him like uh, the Archangel Michael in Jude uh, chapter 9, verse 9. Just as false teachers speak untruths about God and his character, they also speak falsely and flippantly about the devil and demons and not taking their power seriously. And so, again, um, this will be something that, uh, this is something that is picked up and continued in the following verses. But, uh, for now, let's just, uh, as we are uh, drawing tonight to a close, let's just reinforce the big idea of the text. And again, God reveals himself to be fully sufficient to save us from error and false teaching if our faith and hope is in God alone through Christ. As such, we must be continuously rooted in the very words of God with which he reveals himself. If not, we are left vulnerable and exploitable by false teachers whose words and lives demonstrate the opposite of what scripture teaches us about God and what he is doing to, to form us and to grow us as his children. And when, when it's God's time, when it's God's perfect timing, uh, he is going to condemn. He is going to carry out the, the fullness of salvation and it will be done in a way that will be just, it will be sure, and it will be complete. Uh, why don't we, uh, why don't we uh, close with prayer? Uh, Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that your word always points back to your faithfulness and your goodness, your holiness, and that false teachers are not going to triumph and that lies are not going to triumph. But you reassure us, Lord, that, that you will continue to bring forth your truth and that you will be faithful to, to judge, to condemn and to save. And just like so many of uh, our brothers and sisters in the future in Revelation say how long and, and end with shouts of salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne. Joy that you, that you uh, bring about that you do bring about uh, goodness, that you bring about judgment, that you bring about salvation in spite of, in spite of our own sins. You have, you have taken on the sins of the world through Jesus on the cross. And Jesus rose again so that we can walk in newness of life. So Father, guide us, continue to guide us, and let us take all teaching that we hear, and, and like the Bereans, Always go back to your word to see if these things are so. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.